0: Hello and welcome to WNHH Radio's Dateline, New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Jonathan Wharton makes New Haven tick. He chairs the mighty New Haven Republican Party. He sits on the city plan commission. When he's not busy teaching political science at Southern Connecticut State University and inspiring a new generation of young people to get involved in politics, or bicycling around town, it's just basically being everyone's idea of delightful company, even when they're bashing his beloved party in Democratic New Haven. So Jonathan has a lot to say about what's going on in New Haven these days, and he's here in the WNHA studio to give us his take. And a special thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. Welcome back, Jonathan. Always nice to have you. here. Same here, Paul. Thank you for the invite. How you been?
1: Doing well, especially in light of the city. Plan meetings, as you know, well, and <laughs> among wanted, other things. <laughs> I wanted
0: to get right into that, Jonathan. We'll talk yeah. about the Republican Party in sure. election year, and that's a lot of fun. Yep. But first, I want to talk about city plan commission. Yes. Because a lot happens there, and it's pretty important stuff. And last week, I would say that we had one of the most illuminating meetings. That's a good word for use, using it. I, I Because was of what came yeah. out on the record that's usually just spoken yeah. off the record. Right. Okay, right. So, so on the one level... You were, and as usual in New Haven, we say we're debating and voting on one topic. We're really voting and debating on another. Mm-hmm. So we were debating affordable housing. Yes. And I think you might agree with this too. I'm not sure that everyone kind of agrees we need more affordable housing in town. Absolutely. That was what we said at the we're meeting. We're building market rate housing mm-hmm. and that's going to build our tax base. It's going to bring new people. Right. But we want to make sure New Haven remains a place where you can afford to live here if you work here. Right. So then the, the a bunch of Democrats on the um, Board of Alders, all of whom work for Unite here, the local um, unions of Yale, also represents rec- restaurant workers. They put in a, a bill to have a moratorium right, on converting any single room occupancy buildings, meaning places where you rent a room for pretty cheap week by week. There aren't that many left in New Haven. Uh, converting those to other kinds of uses like upscale uses. And they want to have a six-month moratorium so we can come up with a plan so that none of that happens. In the meantime, we can preserve the housing so Oakland did that. Chicago did that. People said that count, sounds like a good idea. What was interesting in this case, it was introduced right after it was announced. Yes. That a Chicago developer had bought the Hotel Duncan, mm-hmm. a ninety-two unit hotel, which I think about a third, maybe two a half, of the were week to week rentals. The others were a regular hotel, and it was one of the last SRO places downtown. And it got, and it actually got grandfathered with old zoning, so that nowadays you couldn't really put an SRO there in the state it was in because it's not safe for the fire and everything it exits. So they had this beautiful kind of great storied hotel downtown. And it's not just only poor people stayed there. You, know, you had heads of Yale departments yes. and stuff. It's like the ambience. It's a good, kind of cool kind of everybody lived there. And uh, so he bought it and he kicked the people out so he could fix it up. Although he paid for them all to stay months and find new apartments. He paid for that. And they actually did find new apartments. In some cases, cheaper than they're paid at the Duncan. Right. But the point was they got this, this moratorium bill up and they were trying to get it passed fast in the f- fall. Mm -hmm. But he beat them to it, and he got his permits, the developer, AJ Capital, so that once he got his permits under law, this moratorium can't affect him. Right. So all of a sudden, the moratorium slowed down, but it's still on the table. Absolutely. But there's some thinking that maybe um, it'll still be used to try to slow him up and make him sue to be able to pursue. The city's Mm -hmm. building department tells me there's absolutely no legal way once they got their permits. Exactly. But apparently, it's still considering that this is what this is about so we had this hearing city plan you were saying you had to give an opinion the city plan commission should we go ahead with this moratorium and your staff had said everyone wants to talk about affordable housing but this is drawn in a way that is going to be completely illegal the way it deals with the zoning laws this mm-hmm. the sector we've had a bill like that that seemed to be introduced for other reasons and it's gonna just not be a good way to do zoning in the city and uh the um the people who pushed the bill said, oh, we were only thinking about affordable housing. We're not thinking about the hotel and whether it should be a union hotel. But then the union, the, the president of the company division that's building this hotel came to town. He and his lawyer were at the hearing. Yes. And his lawyer said out loud that the United you know, Here said, can you please have a, we'd like you to sign a neutrality agreement so we can organize a union at your new hotel. Right. And then as soon as he said no, days later they put this ordinance in and that's why they're rushing it. And they didn't deny that. Yep. And then he, the president himself, confirmed it to Mary O'Leary and the rest of them. He said, "That's what I. Yes, it's true." What did you think when you heard that? I was taken back by it. I shouldn't be, but I was. Because um, you're always saying you feel. I've heard you know the debates saying you think there's an agenda that when we're you're supposed to vote on zoning or development, right. Let's say yeah, in other places we're not really voting or or discussing that. We're really playing out with the Unite Here, which controls the Board of Alders mm-hmm. and now controls the City Plan Depart- uh, Commission, apparently, that they're really pushing their own agenda and not being upfront about for unionization issues and not the and holding hostage the kind of stuff we have to vote and on. And doing it quickly. You know, what I
1: what I brought out uh, at the meeting last week was that um, there were a couple of things that were that kind of intrigued me. One, and and I said this at the very beginning, the mere fact that as you said Paul
0: city plan staff explicitly said in their memo not to support and this, this. is the second time in a row there was another bill that, that back in the summer the group pulled to try to change all the zoning town again it was seen right. as a knock at Yale Yep. To, although I think it had some pretty good ideas in it, but it was, it was hastily put together without any, without any consultation. No staff, with no the city staff. No professional staff people, anyone who, amazing. in their group, and they're trying to rush it through, and the staff was saying, Look, hold off. Exactly. These are good ideas, but if you do, as a matter of fact, important ideas, which right. is the zone university development, which everyone agrees with just about, not everybody, Absolutely. Not, not Yale, but everybody else, and holds them accountable, but you're doing
1: it in a way that's illegal. I guess the thing that surprises me at the end of the day is it seems as though they tend to do things in their own bubble. They don't tend to lean on or ask for advice from staff, or even, for that matter, from commissioners like myself. But you've
0: said in others that you think that's because it's a different agenda. It's not the issues they have on the table, but they're trying to pressure whether it's Yale or this developer for another...
1: Some kind of leverage, absolutely. But, I mean, look, the beauty of politics is, you know, negotiation, communication. The ugliness of it, the lack of it, which has clearly been the case here. And so we're another example of where, and, and I said this, that... Now, the majority of the time, Paul, the commissioners are at least 90% supportive of whatever the staff recommends in in these memos. And the memos are explicitly clear in terms of the conflict and the issue, especially as related relates to our housing and certainly with, with this down the road. But my colleagues went on ahead and went on board with it, three to two, although it was kind of intriguing what happened because we take alternate, I'm technically an alternate commissioner. So it was not my turn to vote. So I couldn't vote for or against when it. When do you get the vote? Uh, we, we swap whenever, you know, it's going to be too many. when I mean, it's more than five. So this time around, I think we had seven at the meeting or, or maybe it was six. And so I could not vote. I could certainly speak, which I did. And I was very, so unspoken. you could participate, but do you, do you get the vote
0: only when a regular commissioner is not
1: there? Uh, correct. Or the, uh, the, alt- the alternate, which would have been Elias. So in uh, other words, there's product. always
0: one alternate. Mm-hmm. So there are two alternate members, right. one of whom gets the vote, each right. takes a turn. Exactly. Why, Why is that?
1: Um because I think that they want a certain number there to make certain that they have enough for you know for quorum,
0: so there are five members no four members uh
1: technically four. it's five and I believe two alternates, if I remember correctly, okay, but yeah. at this meeting there were only five voting it, and one other alternate right, and of course, there's myself who was there. missing uh you know that's a good i 'm trying to remember who was missing okay um but yeah, it was it but it was very interesting now. Of course, you heard my colleague, uh, Leslie Radcliffe, who was very outspoken about what you said, the union connection and the concerns surrounding that. And she did bring up again what happened in the summer. But I guess I was more struck by, at the end of the day, how, how do you go against staff and their recommendations in their memo?
0: Well, the argument being because they're not really concerned about the merits of the legislation. They're right. really concerned about getting something passed to put pressure.
1: I was really surprised. And then what ended up happening is that you saw that it, you know... It was kind of intriguing what ended up happening was that it was, you know, three to two, but it was Leslie who
0: voted against it. It was... You're talking about a strong statement. City plan yeah. can't really control this anyway. The autos can do what they want. Absolutely. You're supposed to give an opinion. Sure. So the, that's exactly the first, what they voted on. The first vote was to give an opinion saying, yep. we think you should kill this. And that's right. what failed two to three. Yep. And then they passed a lighter one saying, we recommend you rethink it for Correct. to one. And that's when the language has changed. At the, at, I
1: mean, this went on until midnight and the staff was up there. Putting it together, you know, and it, the interesting thing I think a lot of people don't know, Paul, is I used to be that kind of person where I would the, I was a staff aide for years on a committee up in Congress and even in, in the state legislature, in New Jersey. Which so congr- I know what that's like. Which congressional like, committee? Uh, I was involved with the Small Business uh, Committee uh, oh, there, and so I was involved with that uh, behind the scenes, also Ways and Means. And, uh, but in New Jersey, I was dealing with the banking and commerce committee. So I felt for the staff, I was very sympathetic because I know what that's like, but at 11 o'clock at night to draft and redraft these things, I don't think a lot of people really understand that takes a lot of work. So the staff redrafted
0: it? They did.
1: That's when they inserted the language that you saw at the end about saying that, you know, if you're going to do this, please make, you know, consider at least a task force and make it so it's more holistic. It's inclusive of as many people as possible. But for us as a commission
0: to go against staff recommendations like that never happens. Mm-hmm. Seriously. So now I want to push back a little against Jonathan. Sure. Jonathan is the GOP town chair. Yes. He's uh, on the city mm-hmm. planning commission, a professor of political science at Southern KC, New's an all around mm-hmm. civic guy. Yep. Um, so let's say they weren't faking. So my gripe always with the United Here and the Alls, with the press, with the public, they never tell us what they're really doing. Mm-hmm. They do it sneaky in a back room, just like Yale, who's their opponent. They're really the same. They don't tell you what they're really up to and they spring things at the last minute and they're doing it pretending that they're doing one thing, but they're really doing something else. But what if they were honest? I think I would be much more sympathetic than you are to their agenda. Because you, as the Republican Party, have said you felt that having labor be dominant on the Board of Alders is holding up development and a conflict of interest. I understand that argument, and I respect it, Jonathan. I see it differently, which is that too much in government. Big corporate entities already control the government. They have the money. They have the influence that... Their agenda is so often carried by government mm-hmm. that it's really important that labor be a balance to corporate interests and big money interests in and to power in general in government. That that's why we have Social Security in this country, that's why we had a war on poverty in part. Right. And and so I if they were honest and said, you know, we have we believe that a stronger union at hotels, that if we have development in the city it needs to be union workers working there because otherwise what's who benefits from the development mm-hmm. if you're not getting paid enough? And then the counter argument could be, well, you're still raising the tax base. So you're not going to tax homeowners and renters indirectly so they're benefiting anyway and all that kind of stuff and you can preserve social services. There's an argument there. But I think there's an honest argument to me that especially in these times, we need labor to be active in politics and that a stronger labor movement will benefit everybody else and that is the public good and I, I would argue that they just shoot themselves in the foot by never being honest, because I guess they're so sure no one will support them because of anti-union sentiment in this country, although not in the city. Not in the city, no. and I don't So think, why do you think they're lying? I, I, I don't think so much that they're being dishonest. I think Of it's course just, they're being
1: dishonest. They said this had nothing to do with the neutrality agreement, and it was everything they, they to do with the neutrality agreement. They say that publicly, and the things that they do in the back rooms is, you're right, I don't disagree with that. My concern is that... I wish that they would communicate their concerns and issues before commissioners like myself, so we know what the game plan is. But see,
0: that's the the game plan is not to tell you so they exactly. can get stuff through for a different reasons. So imagine what so happens. So what if they were honest? We're so what about that? So right.
1: So right. The interesting thing is, if you look at our commission, right? We have obviously a couple of new union leaders on it, right? Right. So it's kind of interesting.
0: But it's what not if they, like they're what not if aware? They were upfront, they Why? could still
1: get their way anyway. Yeah. Because the reality I'm is, about is, the merits of, of the
0: I agree. So the sure. merits of the issue, sure. Well, I think they worry about lawsuits too. Like if the union and they should because there's
1: going to be likely a conflict of interest in light right. of who's on the commission. So what? Um,
0: <laughs> you know, what let, if they were honest in general, though? What if they went public and said, "We don't agree with Jonathan. We don't agree with the Republican Party. We think it's important to require that new developments include union labor. We mm-hmm. think it's important that Yale be pressured through the political system to support union organizing at Yale, so that people can get better benefits, which." It, it, it fights poverty and, it, and helps the whole economy. You'd lose that argument, wouldn't you, Jonathan? I wouldn't say we would lose No, no, it. I mean at the ballot box in New Haven. Look, we already do as it is. Right. So what's going to be the difference between if they did or didn't? So why do you think they don't?
1: Because they they have the leverage. They've got the power. They've got the base where they get the turnout. They do the door knocking, giving the elections. We certainly saw that back in November. You know that, Paul. Right. So don't you keep that by being upfront about your agenda? One would think and what we would hope in politics, but we know one thing about politics, and you know I study it. I'm certainly right. a student of it. You have at least a, you know a, something in your back pocket you always keep mm. and that you use. And so they have that ability to do it. And they're organized.
0: Wait, Listen, and I no, don't you, question you their techniques. Politics. They're good at it. Right, so my, what I'm trying to understand from you as a political scientist is mm-hmm. why they're not more honest about it. You said they need something in their back pocket. Right. But given that the public sentiment is in their favor, given that when they talk honestly about what they want, the public supports them, why do they feel... The and they thing won't is tell us because the, they they lie and are completely the interesting thing dishonest is, Paul, with the press. So I can't find out. The I real cannot reason.
1: say with all certainty that everybody, the public in New Haven, all agree with. Not
0: that. all, but right? Because there are a number
1: of people. I mean, I got to tell you, there are Democrats who come to me, especially at the management sure, team meetings, sure. who come pro, to me saying, pro "I'm a Democrat. Democrats. I'm not." You know, and it's kind of interesting when that happens because, of course, they know that I'm the chairman of, of the Republican Party. So they're very outspoken to me. Problem is, they're very under the radar.
0: But it's you know, amazing. I, they would
1: never be outspoken. I publicly. hear that
0: from Democrats too, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. But and I think they're not all painted with one brush. Some of those people are very pro labor. Yes. And what they resent is the dishonesty. They yep. say we're trying to have a conversation about development, and they're not admitting that they're holding it hostage for un- separate union interests that they honestly believe is good to redefine development for everyone's benefit. That instead they're pretending something else and dragging us through problems we don't need to have and could have. So that's why those people. So I'm wondering, wouldn't those people mm-hmm. be more supportive of the dominant political po- faction in town if right. that faction was uh, leveled with them? You see, that- I need help understanding why they don't. Of course, of course. I mean, you know, you're talking to the wrong man here. No, you're
1: right? the political scientist. I am the political scientist, but for me, at least in terms of, of what I'm trying to do, on the opposite end, <laughs> it's, it's 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 very unusual to kind of witness from, you know, far back. I'll give you a class case example, and I think you're going to be intrigued by this. When I first came to town, I got lobbied by my own alders and other alders for me to be a part of the movement and to do things and to help out. And then they knew that I was a professor at Southern, so they said, well, get your students to show up to these events. So whenever I have my students come to class, they get pestered by a lot of these alders, among other people, saying, they should be at this protest, they should be at that demonstration. Well, I let my students decide that. I'm not going to force that down their throats. You know me. I'm, I lean more libertarian. That's your own doing. I'm not going to corral and push. They are very good at putting, you know, and reminding uh, others that they need to be involved and engage in
0: something. That's I, the I love that about do. them. That's yeah. one of the great things in the city. And people who don't agree with them need to do what you're doing, which is organize another, try to organize a different point of view. And I'm and trying my benefits. damnedest to do it. So why is it, Jonathan, as the head of the Republican Party, you've done what everyone agrees agree is the best job we've seen in years in Thank getting you. new people interested in the party mm-hmm. and trying to make it relevant to find candidates. It's not getting tra- traction yet at the polls. Yeah. So I remember before the last election, you were saying at one meeting I covered, town committee, Republican town committee, that you were going to get some money from business interests who mm-hmm. said we need a counterpoint to the Democratic Party, which is fair in town. Right. And that a lot of people come up to you saying we really want to have an alternative to the way that the majority faction Democrats around the city. But people didn't come out and vote for that at all. So the interesting thing is, is that the numbers across the board, even for the Democrats, were down too. Yeah, but, that's words, there was no, but that's because there was no opposition, Jonathan. That's exactly. an easy one. That's most right. In most cases, there weren't even two candidates running, and there wasn't a... Even Marcus comp- Packard, obviously. Right. There was not, really not a, a early. It wasn't even a competitive So you can say race. that at the top of the ticket. But even for the older races, you saw those numbers in terms of the
1: candidates But if there's a up. strong mayoral's race, that you would have had higher numbers. I, absolutely. I mean, that's usually the case, traditionally speaking. But I will say, as a side note, we did fundraise a significant share of money. There, there is know. interest for, you, for you're that. You're definitely doing everything you know? right
0: to build apartment, no question. Right.
1: And then going back to when you had J.R. Romano here, my my you know the state, state Republican chairman, right? chairman,
0: you know, and he was very supportive
1: of me, uh, you know, in saying that look, we've done the door knocking, we did the phone calling, we've you know, oh yeah, had they're the are they want there to be a Republican Party in New Haven, absolutely, and so we've made those inroads. And one thing I'm very proud of, Paul, I mean, you know, despite your journalists who. And very good at coming to our events and kind of bashing us here and there in the Oh, articles. come on. Bashing, I'm just, just putting really it out there. You think it's bashing Well,
0: it my colleagues on the committee feel as though it is. You don't think those articles are good for you to get the attention and that they fairly represent the candidates and that you got... Ten times as much coverage in The Independent than any other publication for your people running for office.
1: I always believe any press is good press, even and if that it is negative it. press. You but really my, think most
0: of it was negative? I don't
1: think so, but some of my oh. colleagues, at least on the committee, That's because they're new to politics and they don't
0: realize that. Well,
1: it, you had one candidate not realize
0: that. it was a very well, positive well, article for him because he didn't like the picture. He well, thought it was Well, beautiful. that
1: and the whole, his saying out loud, he wanted to be an independent, he's going to run the next time. But, I mean, you know, the thing is that, you know, these things can caught up in the articles it could be said a certain way but we are trying to at least emphasize that we have something on the ground and one thing i'm very proud of is yeah. and you know this paul at the end of the day you all can say what you want but we did get a lot of these appointments for commissions and boards that done is this important past year. and that's how a lot Almost of, a that's how a lot
0: of business gets done in the city
1: you know one thing and and so anybody can certainly your readers certainly my poor freshmen are like, My God, have you read the independent comment box? Because they your readers and listeners love to bash me. But seriously? So, oh, yeah. Some of the comments are amazing. So and the answer to the thing is, is that you can say what you want, but we did get these commissions in Portsville because there were a lot of empty seats.
0: Yeah. Before. And they're supposed to have Republican representative or independents. Absolutely, or even independents. So you're definitely doing the Lord's political work. I'm trying my best. You know, you're gonna love this.
1: That commission meeting, and this is a Paul Bass moment. I know you know Johnny from Devil's Gear. Remember? Because he was involved, obviously, with the fire and rescuing yeah. people. He comes up to me right after, because, you know, they were voting on the bike share program. And he says, you know, I like this idea of the commission and everything else. What can I do to step up? Oh, great. And I, he's like, well, you know, but I'm a black Republican cyclist. I was like, oh, my God. Kind of shaking my head like. Yeah, and, I, and it's fine, because he's always repairing my bike. We've never talked shop. Right? He's, you know,
0: three things you're never supposed to talk about in life. Right? You know that. So maybe there's a hidden army of black Republican cyclists in New Haven who will campaign on two wheels and take the city by storm oh yeah that'll be a dream of mine but this is a classic example where (laughs) people don't
1: know hey you could serve on a commission you could serve on a board and they're interested and they're ready to sign up so i'm very happy that we have been able to get those appointments through i'm sad about that i'm very
0: happy that you're listening to dateline new haven your home for community radio wnh 103.5 fm we're visiting today jonathan wharton one of our favorite guests the chair of the new haven republican party member of the city plan commission and political scientists at SCSU, Josh Van Hosen, one of the excellent new candidates you did recruit mm-hmm. recruit around the East Shore, he said, what do you mean not getting traction at the polls? Seems to me we were on the board, which is a far reach from years past. So Josh's point is that you actually fielded candidates. Right. Although for most races you did not. Right. Well, we had no choice. I mean, we were hopeful of getting more wards, you know. Yeah, to, but to you had it. some, and people like Josh did yeah. go out and work hard and gave people an alternative. Sure, absolutely. And votes. And
1: so did John Carlson, I and mean, God bless him. He was in everybody's face about it, and those signs were everywhere, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm still getting heat about that with the, some of the elders. I,
0: is it, make the argument that, in addition, while it's important to run for competitive offices, that these board of commission seats you're filling give you a chance immediately to actually affect decision-making my, in the city? My hope is, is that, you have at least a presence of an alternative
1: viewpoint there at those commissions and board meetings. The other thing is I'm treating it as though they're the nursery for maybe considering running for office uh-huh. whether it would be That's for all idea. other things, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do they always say? What do historians always like to say about the U.S. Senate? The, the nursery for presidency? Yeah, yeah well... <laughs> And the Board of Commission. I was about to say, exact, call me a manny. I'm trying to, you know,
0: nurture at least the possibility of this. And why are you this? still an alternate on the city plan commission? Why, That's why a don't great you have question. and have the new people be the
1: alternates? So, because I've almost been there now for two years. Now, there's some political talk I'm hearing on the sidelines as to whether it's happening or not, or what happened. Um, I've heard from some city plan staff I don't want to mention, but there might be some politics behind it, that... Um, some people on the commission don't want me to be at least a, a voting But is member. there
0: any other non-Democrat on the commission? No. So why wouldn't the rules require that if you have to fill minority? Mayor's decision. The mayor decided you're just an alternate?
1: Right. So I've remained an alternate I've not moved up. And that's been asked about why I'm not... And the irony of it is that you know that this is my expertise. Right. Because I teach economic development.
0: But I thought... It would seem that would fly in the face of the spirit of minority representation laws that if you're going to put... You have to have someone who's not a Democrat on it but not right. let them vote... Because the new union... Purchase, you saw, you kind of, said, but the Democrats are big on voting rights. You would think so. They want to let said, minority saw people the new appointment because
1: he's a full commissioner now. So obviously I got passed over for it. That's really interesting. Isn't I wonder it?
0: whether there's a legal challenge to that.
1: You know, it'd be intriguing. But I think that it, it, there's got to be some kind of political thing to it. Yeah. I don't know whether it's the mayor's office. I don't know whether it's city planning. I don't know who it is, but... I wouldn't be surprised because, let's face it, the unions are big donors to the alders and to certainly the mayor. Mm-hmm. The other thing is we can't forget the alderman who's also sitting there in that position. I mean, as your reporters have noted, he and I have had our disagreements. I should also say he's more or less threatened me more than once. What so, kind of threat? That <coughs> he's keeping an eye on me. What Keep in line, mean? stay in line, that really? kind of thing. Like, yes. what you,
0: give me an example specific.
1: Uh, well, back in, after the election, I, I got you know more or less threatened. Where, where, where were you? Uh, it was, was it was after the commission meeting. No, it was after the commission meeting, how outspoken I was uh, about the Munson project. And so, well,
0: what were you told?
1: Uh, well, just stay in line, stay in order. I'm keeping an eye on were you. Were those the words? More or less, yeah. What were the words? It, it, was, it was that. It was to make sure that, you know, I stay in line, stay in my place. I'm not surprised at this. And he's was not the only the one. Was this after the meeting?
0: Yeah. What did you say?
1: Well, the, well,
0: I just said, I, I'm glad to know that now, Alderman. May hey. Alderman Adam Marchand said to you, Stay sure. in line, know your of course, place. Of course, of course. He, he said did. this to a white guy, I said this to a black guy. Are you surprised? S- yes.
1: Well? Stay in line, know your place. The reality of it is, is that I've been outspoken in the past, especially about projects like the Munson Project, and I've brought out how the alders are politicizing a lot of projects, including that one. And he's not the only one. There have been other elders who have threatened me, too. It. And what is so. I mean, Paul, this is politics. Other yeah, alders but, but what, have come what, up to me. They've accused me, of stealing, of they've accused me of stealing campaign signs, for God's sake. Well, that always happens in New Haven. Including the mayor's signs. But everybody
0: does steal campaign signs <laughs> in New Haven and accuse the other people doing it. It's just it. amazing. That's an old tradition. So
1: am I that surprised that I'm going to get that kind of pushback? But no. what's
0: the leverage that was held over you?
1: The leverage was for me not to be so outspoken against the Board of Alders. Because according to him, my being against you know one member or two members about the Munson Project means he's, that he's you know, I'm going against all the alders, including him.
0: Well, what had you said? Had you said something personally about the members? I said how they were not communicating directly with,
1: you know, the, the management teams and some of their constituents about some of the proposals and plans around the Munson project. Yeah, the
0: Munson project, so people know what we're talking mm-hmm. about, is an old factory that had been part of US repeating arms before that, Winchester, right, factory, has been empty a long time, it's on Munson Street, right by Henry, right, right where you start, New Hallville, Science Park, and there's a California developer who's gotten his approvals now, to go out to get through, Absolutely. For, to build 385 apartments there, mm-hmm. um, most of the neighborhood was actually for it. They went right. to community management teams. The authors, actually, including in the union coalition, right. like Jeanette Morrison, were for it, right. Delphine Clyburn. So, what was the issue? The issue was that, you know, when these meetings were taking place
1: early on back in the summer, you know, that there was no direct communication with the management teams and some of those, uh, some of the people Between in the business uh, between the alders and uh, the management team members. Well, and,
0: Jeanette, well, we had covered the meetings that Jeanette Morrison held.
1: Right, but there was some confusion about where the management team meeting should take place in terms of this project. I think you remember, because it sits right on that borderline. Mm-hmm. And so there was some concern right, about this, in Hallville, but do it. Right, it so it's very exactly. So yeah. there was a little confusion. And so it was kind of intriguing to me because I brought out, you know, the alders should be able to communicate this directly with their constituents. And I, that, that's not the first time I've said that. There have been other
0: instances where I've been outspoken. Not
1: against the Board of Alders. Is that
0: like outspoken? That's like apparently saying, apparently it is. I should have ice cream on it if you like pie a la mode. I am mean, outspoken to say, aldermen should, should communicate I would think, with their constituents? I, I, would, I would think it's just common. It's just the reality. I thought you were going to say it had to do with your comments about, too, you feel there's too much union influence. No, and, uh, no, 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 no. I didn't get any direct, Because you've like said that. that at other meetings. I have, I have. You know, look,
1: Paul, I'm used to, I'm accustomed to being a contrarian. What I'm not mm. accustomed to is the kind of blowback or pushback that I might get from people who, oddly, I respect. You know, David, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, Reyes, isn't he? That's right. Um, the alderman from the Hill. It's funny. He's always making comments that I'm like his favorite Republican and whatever, left and right. And actually, it was interesting. We had that uh, Long Wharf Project meeting. That's and I like, we should to probably talk next. to that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting because we were talking about that. And You know, at the end of the day, it was funny. I was there in that room, and eight of the alders were sitting at my table there at that Longworth meeting. It's not like I don't like them. In fact, I get along with them very well. But I think that because I tend to be a little bit more outspoken, because I'm a Republican, do you know what I mean? And because, hey, let's face it, I'm not – I'm a West Hartford kid, so I'm not from New Haven. I've never felt that sometimes, but you have to wonder – so I'm, I'm used to oh, being so an outsider. Where you live
0: in City Point, I'm not sure. There are a lot of people there, especially in your development. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That, right. Exactly. That aren't even from here. But I've never got that kind of blowback. But let's just admit it. I am an observer of city politics. I study this for a living. And I love to kind of be on the fringes on the outside and be into this. I stepped up to be a chairman, which you know I wasn't 100% even on board with. But I wanted to rejuvenate something. And so I think that at least some appreciate my attempts and others just kind of like think that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm somebody to go against, which I'm not. If anybody really knows me, you know, I am not a hardened partisan. I am not out to, you know, go out and shake things up. I'm attempting to at least get some roots started in
0: something, but it is not easy. I will tell you that. It's very stressful. So what happens, so let's tell people what Longorf is. So we've, uh, the city has engaged a firm that just did, Designed a two billion dollar remaking. Yes. Is it waterfront in Washington D.C. area? Uh, oh, you mean for what they did down in D.C.? It was. Yeah, it was the Southwest. So now way. they're doing a big study mm-hmm. about how we should rethink the next generation of yes. Long Wharf area. What should happen with the park there, with the waterfront, with the buildings, and some of the lots all the way over by Sports Haven? Mm-hmm. They're doing a big study, and they're having. The public take part in it, and you're taking part. in it. You live on City Point, very much so, yep. And are you and you're on a
1: committee? That's there was a committee right to review the proposals, the plans back in the fall, and I was a part of that. I was there to represent the Hill South neighborhood because they wanted some representation. So from tell there. me
0: that so something happened again here about
1: they had a meeting, a public meeting a couple of weeks ago, and they're going to be having future public meetings into the spring. And the idea is to kind of exchange and discuss out some ideas. We had about 70 people show up. It yeah, was that a was a very great experience. meeting. Markeith it was said awesome. a wonderful article. Oh, it was a great. And we had something like, what did I tell you, eight, nine alders there? It was terrific. And so I was very impressed with the ideas. And I'll tell you, it's a small world. One of the engineers from the site, Eric, turns out, um, I completely forgot, he was involved with the Hoboken project oh, okay. down there. And I was involved with that when I was down at Stevens Tech, when I was a professor down there. So it's a small world. One never knows. But Longworth has got a lot of great potential in terms of development. And they're trying to find you know, new ways of making it more mixed-use development. Make it so that it
0: could be maybe residential, beyond just commercial. Find- and where do people live? Because we do have to worry about climate change. Building Absolutely. right on the water might not make a lot of sense. And,
1: and I've emphasized that.
0: I'm hoping that they can find pathways of dealing with that you know, when it comes to you know, the harbor coming in. What do you think about um, the Sports Haven site? What would you like to see there? You know, some I people talked about kind of, uh, not a regular movie theater, but right. some kind of performance space. Some kind of entertainment beyond, I mean, that's been talked about, beyond off along the Long Theater. Yeah. Right,
1: to have something else down there. Yeah, I think everybody on that committee is open to ideas. I don't think there's one big thing. My big thing that I'm most concerned about is getting more connectability from downtown. Explicitly so from the city has wanted to, to have
0: a pedestrian bridge going over the railroad. Exactly. The state said no. Is that what you're thinking of?
1: That and the bicycle lane, if that's possible. Finding a way to connect back to the train station. I think the great thing about that Wharf area is they have the train station right there. It's a massive. So we used to have something station. called the Vision
0: Trail, which sort of got yes. overgrown and now it's being blocked off. And that's the way I used to bike through. Yep,
1: but, exactly. And and then find a way to connect that, you know, Farmington Canal Trail a little bit more, so it can be more to the Long Wharf. So, terms of
0: makes sure, I mean, do you see if you look at the this one of the schemes they put together, architectural schemes, we put that the drawings, we put that on the site. You see this incredibly built up place. You think it's some major city. Do you see that happening down? <gasps> I would love to see something like that, and even more so. Um, John De Stefano, the former mayor, wanted to sink the highway I ninety five there. Now there's talk, actually, from Long Island, Governor Cuomo, exactly, of building a that. tunnel yeah. under the Long Sound. Yeah. What do you think of that? Matthew Neverson's all excited about that. He
1: is, and he's been very outspoken about it. The problem is, is that it's going to cost. The
0: estimates are anywhere from eight billion to fifty billion dollars. Right, <laughs> so I know. So depending on what, and it was so instinctive Those of money. estimates were from whether it's going to connect to Bridgeport, right. Or, I or people it I've was, heard Milford. I've heard New Haven. Could be an idea. And it seemed like the biggest and lowest estimates were to the same point. Right. And New Haven was in the middle. Right. What do, but what do you think? And we would we have to pay would it be all New York? Well, you
1: know, I wonder if it could be both states or the federal government. I mean, because the idea is it would connect back to 91, right? Which could save, you can imagine, especially for people to go to Vermont or New Hampshire. But for New Haven to be a part
0: of that, that could be a great economic boom. A lot us. of money. So, one thing I wanted to ask you about or if it's part of the larger discussion about infrastructure in our country, there's Before Donald Trump started serving as president, there seemed to be this consensus with his campaign and the Democrats that we want to do major infrastructure and the Republicans. Yes. The big disagreement with how you pay for it and that the Trumps and the Republican people wanted to borrow and privatize. I mean, I guess everyone would borrow, but he wanted to privatize. And that's very scary to people on the other side of the equation who feel that like when Chicago got to take over the parking meters and other toll roads that the way they make their money back is really by closing off a lot of public access. They charge so much. Mm -hmm. And, uh, do you think that the way to build a tunnel or to do more major infrastructure is privatizing? It's an idea. I don't, I'm not saying that's going to
1: solve all the problems, but it's an idea. I mean, whatever happened about the idea of bonding more money, even to get more in a muni funds to do that kind of thing too. Um, but I also heard that something like the easy pass amount for this would be, what, $15, 20 I guess? That's a way of making money. I mean, that's an exorbitant amount of money, but I guess if people can afford it, that's one way of bringing in additional funds. But I would love to see more infrastructure in New Haven. I mean, you know, there's no question the potential is huge. Now, you live
0: in City Point. What would you like to see happen? I know people in your neighborhood are very concerned about the Long Wharf Park, the Veterans Memorial Absolutely. Park there. What, what are your concerns, there? what like, you would like to see happen?
1: Well, okay, so, I mean, Doug Hasladen, you know, a neighbor of mine. The traffic. I know you know very well. in New Haven. Exactly. City government. Uh, and former alderman. Uh, you know, he had that vision to have that bike lane. You know, he's a cyclist like myself. You're and so about the start. Is it
0: a two-way cycle track? Mm-hmm. I forget. The yeah. cycle track,
1: exactly. Yes. Oh, and on Longworth Drive? Exactly, because that would be a start towards something down the road. That's a, that's a good beginning. Um, I would like to see more bicycle-friendly things like that, maybe on Sergeant Drive. More walkability. Coming from Church Street South, certainly from Worcester Square as well, going down Brewery Street. I mean, there's got to be more pathways. I think so it's not just about the car. Mm-hmm. And I understand, like you're right, the highway is a big barrier. One of the things that the engineering firms have brought out in the Longworth Plan is make, create berms or something so you can kind of you know make it more pedestrian, bicycle friendly. And is berm like a big mound of dirt? Yeah, exactly. And then make it more greenery, and at least that way. Mm-hmm. So How do you like the that park? park? How's that nature preserve doing? You know, I love that nature preserve. I'm always biking through it all the time. It's funny, my mother and I are always talking about it because she knows how so much it likes you know, go swan gazing because they're always hanging out there with the ducks. It's kind of funny that I live in New Haven and I feel like I'm almost like, you know, uh, you know Snow White. Yeah, 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 with all these animals everywhere. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. Fun, um, yeah. And you would never think in a city, how's that possible? But it's great that they have the bird sanctuary. I mean, you know, a lot of, you know, we got to give a lot of credit to Justin and his folks in terms of what they do for the New Haven, you know, land. Land Trust. Yeah, Land Trust. So, so you've got to give them credit for that. Um, but, and certainly the Sound School, that area around there, is terrific that they've been able to do what they're doing with their aquaculture program. How about the program. building? What should be done there? So that's been discussed too, but nothing is explicit in terms of what, what can be done with it. I mean, beyond the fact it's a historic building, they do want to build around that parking lot. It's just a big question of what do they do want to do with the actual building. Uh, one of the things I've heard, I'm sure you've heard the idea, is to make it you know, more temporary housing if possible, especially for Yale and maybe artists and musicians and that kind of thing. Um, but I haven't heard anything beyond that. Um, so if I don't know. it would be really, really expensive, idea. goodness, historic
0: structure. I wonder if it would be hard That's to, the
1: concern is how much money we're we going to be talking about to completely redo a building like that, to retrofit it. You're not it. going
0: to make it back with artist housing. Yeah, well, it's especially because it's so disconnect—disconnect disconnected from the rest of the city. But would it be commuter housing i mean people who want to hop on and off the highway
1: no i think they were thinking more in terms of uh making this kind of an artist
0: haven down that but way but you know often in new haven when we we put a lot of what we have new urbanist ideas about development yeah that we love and I'm, i've certainly support them and we kind of graft those on to how we want to do business deals mm-hmm. and one argument made for why the coliseum site has never been developed yeah is because the first group they brought in the people on church Street south and there are concerns about how they've done that they originally came to New Haven, years South, because they were told, A, they were going to be able to build that for basically almost all um, market-rate housing, but also the Coliseum site. They were the ones who had the deal for that. And they said, we can't add in all this stuff you like, like public space and affordable housing and, and uh, art space and all this kind of stuff, because the numbers don't work. Right. So we engaged with a developer, Live, Work, Learn, Play whom everybody loved. They want to do everything that every group that usually fights about the moment wanted mm-hmm. in there for a $400 million project and something like uh four or five years later, they haven't even started and there's no hope they're ever gonna because like the other guys predicted, I'm thinking the numbers don't work. How do we balance those desires we have for new urbanist development with what the market will bear? So this is exactly my research. You know, you hit it right in
1: the head. It's, And matter of fact, I'm teaching urban development again this semester, so I'm very excited about it. I'm still putting my final touches on my syllabus, believe it or not. I'm that last minute professor. It requires a big vision. Now, you know that obviously Michael Piscatelli is is now the interim city planner, right? Exactly. They replaced Karen. You know, I got the world of Karen. Um, And I think the world of Michael, by the way. He and others, including Doug, are trying to find pathways of saying, hey, what can we do differently? I think the thing is, is that when you look in that neighborhood where you're talking about Church Street South, certainly towers, the towers as well, where the seniors live, and even the train station, it's very disconnected from downtown, let alone the hill, let alone Long Wharf. What can you do to kind of bring that fabric back into play? Because those are key blocks for a couple of reasons. One, you know the big effort that's taking place in a lot of cities is to create something called Transit Village Housing or making at least more mixed use development that's near train, near a train station, or near even a bus hub. All right, and so the idea is that you get state grant money and oftentimes you know additional you know money coming from the federal government by creating housing and workability and even residential spaces and certainly shops and that kind of thing that's nearby. You see this existing in cities all around the country. I mean, great examples Washington D.C. with their Union Station and what they've done. You know, that's been big. Even Hartford, you know. We tend to pick a lot on Hartford, myself included, right, about, you know, their, you know, their downtown, but their train station is alive in that area around there. You know, they got restaurants, they got people who live down there. I'm kind of shaking my head every time I go to Hartford because I'm like, how come we can't get this in New Haven? And yet we have Metro North. So I think that there's got to be more of a, a bigger vision in terms of what to do with that. And
0: I think that the Long Wharf Project and this initiative is a good start towards it. But what about the idea? I think there was a lot of vision with Live, Work, Learn, Play and what to do with Coliseum site. And what the other people would argue is that it was all vision and no market reality. I think it's that and also market
1: reality is a good point, but I would also offer investors. How can Mm -hmm. we make certain we get those key investors on the ground, right? So one of the examples, and you know this with my prior research in New Jersey, was Cory Booker in terms of what he did in Newark. He got a lot of investors, including Goldman Sachs, to create these bonds and capital projects to say, okay, we'll help finance this. So there's got to be more of a reach out even to the private sector to deal with a lot of the financials for this. Part of the problem is, you know, in Connecticut, we tend not to, you know, well, look, why our can't, efforts in our well, cities why live, investment.
0: Why can't Live, Work, Learn, Play get that private investment? They've done deals before. Right. They're getting $25 million in public financing for infrastructure improvements. They've been talking to hotels they want to build. Why can't they get that investment?
1: You know, I don't know. I, I don't know what the backstory is to that in terms of what, what they're missing. So oftentimes it can come down to, I imagine, if it's not a financial it certainly can be uh, an effort to get the get the word out about this. And and let's face it, I mean, one thing I've been outspoken about is that there's still this negative stigma about Connecticut cities. Mm. I'm not just saying, but New, New Haven, Haven's, but but New Haven's too. getting a
0: lot of investment.
1: There is, and it's happening, but it, it needs more investment. You you know that. And you'd met you mentioned Cory Booker, whom you used to work for. He's a Democratic. Senator. Well, I never worked for him. I I um, just uh, wrote a you know you wrote, wrote a book, book about him
0: and what he was trying to do. for Urban development. You going to support him for president? <laughs> uh no par- not yet so you might cross party aisles well i always do you know that i do right. i mean i'm a split ticket voter so, so you, would you so it, cory booker announces tomorrow are you on board
1: i i'd have to think about it i wouldn't say i'm 100 I'm percent on board i mean remember i it a lot on him so i know a lot of things probably more than most people would and what's your overall take on the guy? oh i like him a lot but my concerns would have to be in that you know he tends to be in a bubble too often You know, he likes a lot of yes men and people who are very much surrounding himself that way that are very positive as opposed to giving a dose of reality of things. So Mm -hmm. I have my concerns about him on that. Yeah, I do. And he knows that he knows that it's not like I've not been the outspoken one. And he knows very well my stance on this. His mentor is also my mentor, Dr. Price, Clement Price from Rutgers University. God bless him. He unfortunately passed a couple of years ago, but he, he and I had our criticisms about Cory Booker and his leadership style. Mm.
0: Well, you're listening to Jonathan Wharton. Has the big view and the local view as the head of the Republican Party in New Haven, SCSU political science professor and member city plan commission, and he's here on Dateline New Haven and fm So, as the head of the Republican Party, you're hosting some of the 9,432 people who are seeking the Republican nomination for governor. That's a lot of people. Yeah, the first two in Tim Herbst and Stefanowski. We actually had a few last year come by too. Boucher so, is this going to be every, in May? You have to make an endorsement, right? Correct. When the is convention? the convention?
1: I want to say it's the second weekend of May, if I remember correctly.
0: So, when would you guys meet to endorse? Uh, I imagine it would be the week before. I mean, and how many delegates do you have? Uh, I,
1: last time we had, we had two super delegates. I think we have three or four super. I thought there were no super delegates. At state w- well, conventions. I mean, not not super delegate, but you know, permanent
0: delegate at least, because but they're the ones who are behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. So that's not many votes at a convention. How many are there overall? Because Democrats know have something like ninety?
1: I, I should know that
0: number overall, and I. But can't. yet
1: they're still wooing you, and why is that? I think because the press, you know, we at least have one thing in New Haven is the media. It's certainly your reporters. We have the registers always interested. New, well, Yale, the
0: th- didn't, no one covered but us when the first two candidates came.
1: True, but, we, but they have been asking questions about, you know, gotcha. who's it and, and they're pretty good about knowing what's going on. Also, Yale Daily News. I don't want to forget them,
0: too. Um, so, so they come to New Haven because people are lively here and you get attention for what you say.
1: Absolutely. And so hey, our meetings lately coming? have been pretty big now. Um, well, we have a few people lined up. David Walker has agreed to come to the next meeting in February. That'd be February 8th. Um, you know, um, we are looking to also, by the way, I've gotten a f- couple other phone calls for people to, yeah, oh, and, and- That's February
0: 8th is the next meeting?
1: Yeah, the, the next, week, next meeting. And March 8th, we're also lining up additional people. Um, not just the candidates race for governor, but even for- Is uh, so there are a lot of
0: companies, attorney general? Yeah, Art Lenars
1: actually reached out to me yesterday. Excuse he
0: was come to a meeting. Art Lenars He's trying mm-hmm. to run for, uh, for treasurer.
1: And he's coming to a meeting.
0: Hopefully so, has anyone in March. impressed you yet in the Republican field for, as having a for, good of winning an, I mean, excuse me, governing for governor, Republican nomination? Anyone impressed you as someone who could appeal to a broad base of voters and have a vision for where Connecticut needs to do I think
1: next? that's a big debate that every Republican is having right now. When you have 14 candidates, 12 of whom have officially you know, announced that they're running. It's very difficult to nail down who you want to support. Is
0: Prasad Srinivasan coming by? Yes. Oh, he's come
1: come by more than once. Yeah. No, he came back in in the fall, and he really came to our fundraisers. Who impressed
0: people most so far?
1: I I think it's a mixed bag. I think Prasad is somebody who's gained some interest. Uh, You know,
0: Herbst is, you know, as well, you know. Now, at the last meeting, you asked Herbst about the allegation that he had been homophobic in his comments about Governor Lloyd's choice, Mm -hmm. Andrew McDonald, to be the Chief Justice of the State Supreme Court. Were you satisfied with his answer? He said he has a lot of friends who are gay, and that's ridiculous.
1: Well, so I guess that kind of goes back to the article that Tom wrote, because that was some concern about how it was framed. His concern had more to do with his experience, McDonald's actual experience, and not so much that he's gay.
0: But do you don't think he was... So the Democrats are accusing him of saying that's what he was saying. Just like you're saying with the unions, mm-hmm. we're saying we care about a homeless moratorium, we're talking about union contracted he was because uh, Herbst is going for the Trump base. Right, that he was pushing the uh, anti-gay buttons undercover. Do you think that's an unfair accusation?
1: I, I think it is. When you look at the bigger picture, I mean, Herbst was trying to say that look, when it comes to McDonald, he doesn't have necessarily the experience that should be, you know, Chief Justice, and so he was outspoken about that, um, and he's concerned about it um, now. Would I say I have a lot of gay friends? And, you know, I wouldn't myself, right? I mean, I don't think that's necessary, but some people tend to go that route in terms of explaining that they're empathetic. Mm -hmm. But it certainly is being politicized. And who do you see as the strongest Democrat in the field, Jonathan? That's a great question, Paul. I mean, I am just kind of following. Drew was a concern.
0: But a lot of people Interesting.
1: knew... I think a lot of people knew that Drew didn't have much of a chance because he doesn't quite... You know, he's a little too... He seemed like much a very promising
0: young person who wasn't ready for prime time.
1: But there had a lot of young people who were interested in following his
0: race. I mean, certainly at Southern, I would tell you, the College of Democrats He's were really, very good on young voters, but he's out now. So you got Susan Bicewitz, yep. Ned Lamont, you got... Uh, a lot
1: of people don't know who Susan Bicewitz is.
0: A lot of Jonathan people have Ned Harris. Lamont
1: concerns from the past. Jonathan Harris has gained some traction. I think Luke Bronin could be one to follow because, again, he's younger... You know, I think you know. We were on a panel together at the Yankee Institute, and and I had a chance to meet and talk with him. We had breakfast together. He is a nice guy. Like I I know, I have no question uh, about that. But he's only been in there less than a term, and he promised he's he's going to stay a full term. Mayor
0: Hart for two years. Yeah, exactly. So what about um Giebel? He's running as an independent, kind of going for the bipartisan. A lot of people are saying he's going to be a spoiler, among others. Which side?
1: That's a great question. I think because I don't know how to call that one. I think it's going to be chomping at
0: both. You have another, uh, Tom sent in a question, follow up on impressed question. Do you agree that underfunded public employee retirement and pension liabilities are the most important concern facing the state in 2018? Any Republican, gubernatorial candidates offer a viable solution to that problem in your mind? That is
1: a tough question. Because it's tough to figure out among all the candidates where they stand on this as an issue. No question, it is a major concern about underfunding of pensions. There's a
0: lot of the discussion with the problem candidates is to switch people to more 401 type K plans, right. which the union deal they recently had does some of that. But isn't it my, my understanding is that you can't do that with the older, right? The tier one and the tier one people are really the bulk of the problem, right? Yes, and, and yes, exactly. So how do you really deal with that? Because no Democrat or Republican talks about tier one. They don't
1: want to touch that.
0: It's a third rail issue. How would you touch it if you want to be honest? Political science professor and also town chairman Jonathan. Wharton gets to give a, a real solution, what would it be? I think it would have to be a matter of going back
1: and seeing what he can do to re, you know, renegotiate. But let's face it, they're very effective at what they do. They organize and they're good. And there are a lot of boomers who are obviously benefiting from that plan. All right. Well, Jonathan
0: Wharton, we could always talk for hours. But always. The, time, yep. the, the clock is ticking. Thank you so much for making time on Monday Thank you. to visit us on Dateline New Haven. Mayor Tony Harper's at a funeral today. She'll be back next Monday. as the plan. Thanks to Yellowhaven Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic Experience, performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free, from the group CD "A Plea for Peace. Now we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for Community Radio.